Hey, welcome back to the MTB Fitness Podcast. Welcome to another episode. I'm really excited to get this one out. Over the next few weeks, I've got some wicked guests lined up with you. So I've been sending emails like mad. and We've got loads of people confirmed. I've just jumped off the phone with Maya Atkinson. Now, Maya is a downhill racer and she's 19. She's just gone into the elite category. She started racing World Cup. And we essentially just start talking about how she's found it, what tips she's got for us guys and girls on how to ride faster. We chat a little bit about her. She's starting doing my 12 and 16 week program so we actually chat about that and why she decided to do that what she's going to be doing with it Uh, and it's really great she's really really chilled out really nice girl I think you'll enjoy listening to her Um, and then I'm not going to tell you who I've got coming on in the next um, next few weeks but you'll definitely recognize a couple of names Uh, it's really really quite exciting I just bashed out a load of emails to people and got some good responses and so yeah it's nice to be back on the podcast uh, for those of you who don't know, who haven't listened to the podcast before and don't have a clue what MTB Fitness is or who I am, so I'm Matt Mooney. I run a business called MTB Fitness, which helps riders get fitter, faster, and stronger on the bike. And this is the MTB Fitness podcast, and it's all about helping you do that. So thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Hey podcast, today I'm speaking to Maya Atkinson. Now Maya is two times junior British downhill championship winner and last year she moved up to the elite category for a first year rent racing against the likes of Tani Seagrave. Now it's really cool to have you on the phone, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Oh no worries, um, I've been really excited to be on the podcast so let's give you a good chat. Yeah, it's brilliant to have you here. Um, so I thought we could kind of start by you telling a little bit more about your background of how you kind of got involved with MTB Fitness and obviously you've started becoming quite a popular member in the group. And then I saw actually, so I, for the for the people listening, I was on holiday in August, so I didn't really check my phone that much. It was just kind of me and Sophie, my girlfriend time. Mm-hmm. And then as I was doing a bit of research for this episode, like looking through like interviews that Maya's done in the past and going on a Facebook page, I noticed that she'd actually donated her her first downhill bike to a member of the MTB Fitness Facebook group, which I think is amazing. Um, so I think it'd be really cool, Maya, if you could tell us a little bit more about how you got involved with the group and then what's happened with John and um, just fill yeah. everybody in that's listening. Well, um, uh, there's a thing that I do. It's called uh, Close the Gender Shred Gap, which is like this coaching thing that I do for like ladies and young girls. And I just helped out his daughter. I did it completely free. Like, it's just a thing that I do want to help, like, women to get into mountain biking more. And he was like, oh, that was awesome. So he wanted to really help me out with my season. And um, he said, like, there's this group that I could uh, help, like, get you into to, like, maybe they would like to help donate to uh, my GoFundMe page to help me fund my season because it's uh, quite expensive to (laughs) go to Europe to do all these World Cups. You know, I was like, yeah. And then I found this group and it was honestly one of the most amazing communities mountain biking communities I've like been involved in and yeah and I got quite a bit of money and obviously I almost did a full world cup season because of it I felt I just felt so grateful and like felt it's such a positive community that I was like I've got to give back and I had my old downhill bike in the garage just sitting there I was like "Mm, some kid would really want you know like a a new bike to ride so I was like yeah does anybody want it and then yeah so that's I suppose that was my way of giving back to uh while they gave to me I could 
you know, give something back. Yeah, no, I think it's amazing. Like I say, um, I for, for everybody listening, you can join the group that Maya is on about. It's basically the Facebook group that's attached to NTB Fitness. So you've got the main Facebook page, and then there's the Facebook group. I'm sure you're already in mountain biking groups. So if you just search MTB Fitness, uh, it'll come up. It's the MTB Fitness members group. So Maya's a member in there. And then John, um, the guy that she's talking about, basically put together a Just Giving page, and then he raised loads of money for Maya to, to race the World Cup. And I completely missed this whole bike thing. It must have been one post and i completely missed it but when i saw it i was like that's awesome (laughs) did they like the bike yeah they they really loved it i was a bit uh a bit concerned because he brought his younger son but then i realized it was a surprise for his older son so Uh, okay yeah it was all good but i was really (laughs) sad i was hoping like maybe once he gets riding on it could see some pictures of him like shredding on it yeah and then compare my first pictures of me riding on it me riding (laughs) on Yeah. No, I think it's so cool, and I bet it was a great feeling to be able to give something back and to be able to see see how excited he was with the bike. Yeah, it's it was, cool to it's, see those it's, photos. It's, it's weird. It's like when you give back, it's always a bit selfish because you always feel good about like trying to yeah. do it selfless acts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, it does feel good. It does like it does help. I think if you're going to feel good about doing something, then giving to other people is a pretty um, yeah. is a pretty good selfish thing to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's um, why I kind of do the free coaching for the young girls as well. Like it's yeah. um, just like, I feel bad charging people for like what just a few tips and a day out riding. So I like that's what I like to do. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I think it's where can people find out? I'll I'll ask you again at the end. Um, mm. But where can people find out about that? Just in case I forget. Yeah, it's just um, it's just a hashtag I really put together. But you can just like insta- uh, DM me on Instagram or on Facebook or like message me just anywhere or like my email or whatever. But like you can find that on the Facebook page. It's just like I they just hit me up and then I drive and then we have a good day out together. So it's oh. it's it's just really chill and it's a really good it's a really good day out. That's super cool. I really, really like it. That's a great idea. I think yeah. you'll probably be inundated with messages now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did get quite yeah. a few after the bike because I was like, oh, I felt really bad that I couldn't get, you know, um, give some people the bike. So I was like, do you want to have a go out for a ride? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't ride in with everybody all the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you bucked up for the next three years. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry, no, no, no more calls. <laughs> oh that's super cool yeah. so tell us um a little bit more about your background then so uh, how, when did you start riding was it your first sport like how have you gone you're obviously 19 now so how did you get from your beginnings to where you're at now well um well we're not from my parents and I are not from the UK we grew up in Australia well they did so and they're quite quite uh, hard starts like my mum was a refugee my dad was from like a poor family But they always found, like, active lifestyle was, like, a really strong part of their life. So um, we moved to the UK because it's so much easier to travel. And um, we've always been doing, like, skiing, snowboarding, skateboarding, like, kiteboarding, like, always that. And then we did a bit of XC, like, you know, at the trail centre on the blue, like, nothing really, like, big mountain biking. But then uh, we went to Europe and... um, we went to um, surfing in um, the uh, Mediterranean, and then we also okay. went to Andorra, Val Nord. It's a bike park. We've never been ever been to a bike park before. We got our little cross-country hardtails, and we were like, "Holy crap! Like this is <laughs> so cool." With these guys just doing big jumps and the big bikes, and 
me, I could only ride the green track. That was literally <laughs> like at that level. It was like I could not ride anything else. How and old were you? I was 11 at that time, so 2011. Okay. And I was just like blown away. And then we went to Leogang in Austria. And um, we it was even better there because it was a bit more family friendly. So we could actually ride some of more of the trails. And it was just, honestly, that's where it started for me. Like the bike parks in Europe, it's just... It's a special home for me, which is kind of cool because um, in Andorra, I've only ridden two tracks there. I've okay. ridden the Green Trail and the Black Downhill Trail at a World Cup. <laughs> so it's got like the two opposites, but it, between 2011, Green Trail, and then 2017, my first World Cup in Andorra. Yeah, you almost need like a before and after for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I should have done that before, but... <laughs> But no, it, was, it was really cool. So that's how I really got into biking. It was just my parents have always been an active people. So. And then how did you go from just riding and being active and starting to enjoy bike parks to racing competitively? Well, uh, I did my first race when I was 12, I think, at um, the Forest of Dean. You know, they have the mini downhills, which is, I think, it's a great opportunity for everyone because it's such a chill event and, and oh, full of kids and it's easy and it's great. So yeah, I started. I came last at my first ever race, so uh, <laughs> I was. So that's. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, one of the questions that just popped into my head, or something that I thought I'll have to kind of mm. weave into it. A lot of people get worried about entering races because they're terrified of coming last or of cocking up and making a mistake. So you came first at your last race. So how did that feel? And sort of how? Tell us a little bit more around that because I think a lot of people listening to this who haven't raced before because they're scared of it. Essentially, yeah. I think they'll get benefit from it well um I was super scared I'm not gonna lie it, it was super scary I was so nervous I was like oh I just could barely hold on to the bike but once <laughs> I got down I was like oh that was it like it's it's all in like you can just be on the bike and like no one's judging you really everyone's cheering you on like it's not like the mini down races it's not competitive competitive it's just there everyone's there to have fun yeah like it's not a serious thing you don't have to worry about coming last I mean like I came last at my first race and then look at me now <laughs> doing yeah, <laughs> yeah. like so, you just gotta keep at it and just like you know you gotta just try it at least once and if it isn't for you it isn't for you that's what I think did anything bad happen from coming last I imagine the answer is gonna be no but uh no I mean I still I did yeah. another race to make up for it so I think that <laughs> no bad things came for it needed to see that's it. exactly it and I'd, I'd kind of like I was hoping that you'd say that because I think people worry that you kind of like make things up don't you that oh my god if I come last this will happen or this will happen or this will yeah. happen and there's just proof that you did it and there's literally nothing, nothing happened someone has to come last so yeah yeah <laughs> Exactly. No, that's brilliant. I like it. Um, so sorry, I butted in already there. So carry on. So you did your first race. <laughs> yeah, and then I did my first national uh, when I was 14. And this is when they didn't have separate junior or like women categories. It was just all like older women. So I was still racing like people in their 20s and 30s. Wow. So it was, um, I was 14. I was at Ampistiniog. And if you ever read it there, it's, it's pretty gnarly. It's, it's, <laughs> really scary and rocky and I can't tell you how many times I've crashed like <laughs> oh that particular race it's got to be well into the double digits 20s probably <laughs> it was 
my mum even thought about pulling me out of the race. I was crashing that much. <laughs> she was so worried. But no, I oh. I got down and it was it was it was a start of something for sure. Oh, that's amazing. And then how did you transition then to winning the Junior World Cup then, or the British Junior World Cup Championships? That's yeah, kind of... I won the one I won the national championships in youth once and the once in junior. So I lost I won both titles in my both junior junior youth and junior and then I lost them twice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's just kind of funny. As soon as I get it, I can't reclaim it the next year. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, I just um, just kept going at it, and I was renowned for crashing, even like all the way up till I was like fifteen. Like people wouldn't even consider me to like start winning, and and then it just like clicked, and then it's like I could stay on my bike, I could get down, and then started podiuming, and then I won my championships, and then there. Yeah. So when you say it just clicked then, so can you think of anything that kind of happened to get you from going from falling off loads to suddenly not falling off? And was there anything in that click that you can think of? I think um, learning how to skid. I think, I know it's a bit weird, but I felt like learning how to skid and skid into corners, it really helped my riding. Okay. And it it was just like having a bit more fun and a bit more aggressive on the bike. I wasn't like, as scared I wanted to like you know I think I was just trying to have a bit more fun on the bike and then once that happened I could you know stay on okay that's really interesting yeah I know it's a bit weird but I was just like I love skidding and then I think I think yeah I just think I enjoyed it a lot more and then I could stay on now (laughs) Yeah, I was watching. Um, it kind of makes. I was watching a uh, POV video of Richard Rude. I think it was the latest EWS, maybe the last oh, yeah. one. And there's so many times where I'm watching that where I literally think he's about to crash because like the head cam goes sideways and you can yeah. tell he's drifting. And I know that if I was riding in that moment, that's it. I'd be down. But it just kind of like skids and sides and then carries on riding. Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, EWS is like. Oh, I, would, I would never you've, I've done it once it's gonna save race haven't you did you do the whole thing or was it just one race or? it was one race and let me tell you I'm not doing it again <laughs> why not it's brutal so physically hard and the tracks are really hard for what you're doing like you got your sing, like uh, single crown fork and you're like holy shit this is <laughs> this is scary <laughs> <laughs> and yeah you're just so tired and like props to them like I'd rather stick to my downhill bike. <laughs> <laughs> just the one run. <laughs> yeah, just, oh, how do you? That's, got, that's me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been your first year racing in the elite category then, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been really hard, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us all about it. Well, um, it's the first year I had to qualify because as a junior World Cup, you can just like seed. So it would just okay. be your start order and then you can race the weekend, which is great because that means like you know you get more junior women's the sport if they can actually race because yeah. the junior men it's top 20 that qualify so it's, okay um, yeah but um elite women first time i had to qualify and that is honestly one of the hardest things i've had to do okay like i i i've struggled this year i would say i w- i think um put it like a lot of it's in my head like trying to get a good run down because you know this is like if you don't do this run right you won't race yeah so this year i haven't qualified the closest i got was 20th and it's top 15 for elite women okay uh, i was pretty stoked with that but it's still not quite there but um 
How yeah. many people are trying to qualify? It's at least 30, I would say. Sometimes okay. it varies in between. So it is still quite tight racing. And I know there isn't many women, but it's still it's still hard to get up there, I would say. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, I imagine that everybody that's trying is at a very good level. Yeah, exactly. And um, I am, like, one of the youngest in my categories, so... It is kind of like you're racing against 36 year olds. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, <laughs> if I'd literally been riding the bike long, you've been alive. Uh, <laughs> it is, it's humbling, I would say. It's really put me into my place. <laughs> so it's really like pushed me to like, I got, I've got to try so much harder next year. So what was it that made you struggle then to, to qualify? Was it like, are you fast enough to do it when it's not a race run? Does that make sense? Or could you yeah. literally just not ride the bike fast enough? Like, what is it? I think it's a bit of both depending on the track. If it's a track that I like, I think I can qualify, but I was just in my head. And then yeah. some tracks I'm just like, I just can't get on with. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I definitely need to work on this kind of stuff. But like, yeah, it's... um. It's hard. <laughs> um, so you... Oh, sorry. No, 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 you carry on, you good. Um, no, um, I forgot what I said. You should probably take that out. <laughs> it's all right, don't worry. It's me butting in. <laughs> I've got a habit of butting in. No. <laughs> I got all these questions that keep popping into my head. No, keep asking the questions. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say. <laughs> so you said, obviously, you're finding it hard, the mental aspects of thinking, right, I've got to qualify, I've got to put down a race run on this run. If I don't, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you have any tactics that you use to try and help you perform better on that race run? Like, do you just try and have fun like you um, yeah, like learn to do? To what do you fun. do? Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. If I'm not having fun, like, there's no real point of being there. Like, you're just there to put yourself through a, a weekend of suck. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and my favourite bit of World Cups is actually practice day. Because okay. I've actually noticed that I ride faster in practice. Even if I do good in a race, my practice is always faster, for sure. So why do you think that is? Uh, I think just because I still haven't cracked the formula of racing, like I I can race, but like at nationals it's okay, but then um, a World Cup I think it kind of overwhelms me, and it's more in like the mental side of it. Like I physically can do it, but I think mentally I just like my body stiffens up, and yeah. I definitely ride a lot slower. Yeah. But yeah. It's interesting because so this is on a completely like different level, but even sometimes I'll be like right. I'm going to nail this Strava segment today. I'm going to nail this Strava yeah. downhill. And I'll be thinking about it all the way to the segment, getting myself psyched up. And then I'll absolutely cock it up. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll be riding down and then I'll do the worst run ever. It'll be like so much slower and I'm so stiff and I'll mess it yeah. up. And then literally two days before when I'm just riding and just having fun with my mates, that's when it's fast. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I imagine like that's quite, it's easier anyway for us to do on Strava because Strava really doesn't matter. There's nobody watching, but I bet it's yeah. hard to crack that for your World Cup runs. Yeah, I think it's because we have so little time to learn the track as well. We've got three hours on one day wow. and an hour before your quality run. And it's, it's it does, especially if you've never ridden there before, um, yeah. it, it's quite hard to learn the track. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, I don't know. I think it's just um, the head. It's just it needs to be sorted. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any ideas at the moment of how you're going to sort like help that mental side? I think uh, my preparation. 
I feel like I didn't do enough in the season beforehand because I thought, oh, I did all right in juniors. It'll be okay in elite. Turns out, okay. oh, I uh, should have prepared a lot more. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I think like the preparation before. So I feel confident going into the um, the event. I think that will put me at a good mental state. And yeah. just not being stressed. I think that would be good for me. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Trying to like relax. So I suppose there's a couple of components there, isn't there? So mm. the latter one of those, like you say, trying not to stress. I suppose a lot of that probably comes with time and experience, doesn't it? Like the more races that you do, the more chilled out you're going to be and the more you're going to be able to relax. Yeah, it's just, um, yeah, if you, you're, you're, you're stiff and you're like trying to like push where you can, you're going to definitely crash. And I think that's the problem with me qualifying is that I'm, I need to push hard because I, if I want to qualify, I need to be fast. But yeah. then it's that line between crashing or just not doing enough. It's like trying yeah, to... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's that little bit. Even when you're just riding your bike normally, you're like, you can't, you know you want to ride fast, but you're like, especially if you're riding by yourself, you're like, oh, this could be where I Yeah, I know exactly. It's like the sweet spot, isn't it, between yeah. really like trying your ass off and just trying too hard yeah. and then relaxing too much that you're coasting. Yeah, and exactly. yeah, yeah, I know exactly. I, um, I know you listened to part of it, um, the Point One Athletic uh, interview with Chris Kilmurray. Mm-hmm. So I asked him, I'm not sure if you got to that part, but I ha- asked him what his number one tip was for riders. Um, just like myself, like you sort of, you, you ride, you rides two or three times a week, he wants to be fast downhill, but they're not necessarily competing. What his tip would be for for being faster downhill and he said that most kind of average riders like me will over psych themselves up so you'll get yourself really psyched up for the descent and then you go down too stiff and he was saying that what most people should probably do is just try and chill out and breathe Mm. and relax and flow down would you agree with that yeah i um uh, had a situation like this um my friend uh, meg james she used to be really good at uh, junior world cups and she was being supported by Tracy Mosley, and she, I think she psyched herself up too much. And even one of the corners in Lenzerheide, she, she crashed and she broke her back. Oof. Like, fractured, she was uh, unconscious for five minutes, and it wasn't good. And she doesn't, she doesn't do downhill anymore. But, like, I mean, respect to her, I think the pressure of her family, because her sister was an Olympic um, uh, road racer. Okay. So obviously she's got all that pressure. As you you could tell at the start at the, at the start she was definitely more psyched than anybody else. Okay. I saw her, so I never tried to put myself after you know hearing See about her that. crash. I was just like, I need to chill out. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'm that... being cautious. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose you've got to learn that balance like you say mm. there is, there's obviously a sweet spot somewhere in between the yeah. two but it's just finding it for you really yeah I think it's just going to take more riding and more races that's, that's yeah <laughs> that's what it is you mentioned a good point though so obviously this um, the girl that you were talking about Meg she mm-hmm. broke her back and then recently Kate Weatherly also broke her back didn't yeah, she yeah I that heard about that so obviously the um, the mental side of it in ref- there's how can I word this? The mental side of downhill racing, like there's a high chance that at some point you'll fall off your back, off your bike. Sorry. Hopefully you won't injure yourself, but there yeah. is a risk of seriously hurting yourself. So mm-hmm. do you get scared? And if you do, how do you deal with that fear? Oh, all the time. Get scared all the time. <laughs> yeah, pretty much every time at a World Cup, I'm like, I'm scared. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, why am I doing this? That's the question. <laughs> so, um, 
No, I, it was really hard overcoming my fear um, of crashing because I haven't had a touch wood big injury in a, in a while. So I'm quite worried. The last injury I had, I um, was at a national and I whacked my foot against the stump and I went over the bars. Ouch. And I thought I'd broken my foot. Turns out I just stubbed my toe. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm just a bit of a worse for pain. But I'm quite, I think what holds me back is my caution for like injury. Because I've had, you know, separated the collarbone, concussed myself several times. But like nothing to like broken back degree. And yeah, it, it's, mm, I don't know. So after you did that, and um, let's say after you dislocated your collarbone, for example, yeah, um, were you scared getting back on the bike? Did you find that you were riding stiffer and you were nervous, or can yeah, you just it to... took a long time, and I think I think that was the point where I learned how to skid. Okay. And I think that's when oh I got more like I made my riding a bit more fun, so I kind of overtook my fear, if you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, do. I think that was almost a turning point in my riding like okay. I stopped being oh, like I was afraid 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 and then I started having fun and that was that was yeah it. and yeah. then relaxed more and just kind of going with it yeah. this year was one of the biggest moments for me because um you know I rode Andorra again it was the second time I've raced there and um I didn't hit the jumps last time they're big big bike park jumps like 20 plus foot it's with a huge gaps and I'm like this is scary and I, I was so scared but all I could think is like if you want to qualify you're gonna have to do it and I was so scared but I'm not, I was like if you do the first one you can do the rest of them and that's what I did <laughs> and <laughs> it was such a good feeling overcoming the fear it's always worth it to have that fear because then you can overcome it yeah that's so the feeling sick. overcoming it is so good <laughs> I like that a lot. I totally, mm. totally agree. Yeah. Um, would you be scared to hit the same jumps again, or do you think you'd be fine next time? No, no, it's all good. I feel like once you do it, you're, you're yeah. all good. You, it's like with any obstacle, like you see on the trail, or oh, too scared, and then once you hit it, you're like, what was I so scared about? <laughs> Every time. <laughs> Have you ever ridden um, Gisborne Forest? Up near no. Me? Sorry, no. That's all right. So there, they have um, this like rock slab, and it's probably I don't know about one story high, something like that. It's mm. it's fairly steep. To me, before I rode it, I think the first time I rode it was about two years ago. But I must have ridden at Gisborne six times, and every time I'd ridden past it. And you have to kind of get off the bike and push up the slab. It's not part of the trail, if that yeah. makes sense. Um, and I was like, um, yeah, I'm going to do that next time. I'll do that next time. Like it terrified me. You just put it off. Yeah, every single time. And then a couple of years ago, probably, I don't know, 18 months ago, I went riding up there with my mate and I was like, uh, next time, next time. And he was like, no, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so I ended up doing it that time and it felt like, obviously it's not, but it felt vertical at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the most scared I've been on the bike. Like I was absolutely yeah. terrified. I just did not want to do it. And then the first time I did it, I got to the bottom and he was like, oh my God, I can actually do it. And then straight away, pushed back up, did it again, felt better. And now I like, yeah. I can ride that site just completely relaxed, like really chilled out. Um, yeah. And it's amazing how you progress from something absolutely terrifying you yeah. to, like I've done a skydive and I was way more scared of that rock slab than I was of jumping out of a plane. Yeah. <laughs> and no, some... It's weird, isn't it? With what, which bits you find that are most scary, it's like it's different to every person. It's just, um, 
yeah, it's different on the bike. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think it's great though when you you're right when you crack it and when you do it and when you sort of like you've done it once. That's it. Mm. You're not scared of it anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's, I imagine... you know it's truly scary is when you've done it. Yeah. And it still scares you when you keep doing it. That's when you know something's really hard. I think. <laughs> I've not got to that point yet, so yeah. maybe I need to keep going bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I think one kind of practical tip that people can use on that, and I'm sure we both used it for those. So you for your massive jumps um, at Andorra, mm. and me for that slab, is that you have to kind of build up to it. So oh, you yeah. don't start by doing a really steep slab, and you don't start by doing a 20 foot jump. You start mm. by jumping a curb, and then by like doing some little jumps and gradually, gradually building it up. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Like I, because I've been racing for years, I know how to jump. Like I know how to jump um, even further than that. But the fact that I had a gap in it just made all the difference. Like yeah, yeah. I, you just got to build up on something that's easy, even if it's the same but easier. Yeah. And then once you take it like if if it's more safe and then once you do it you're like so much better even though it's harder (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah, i totally agree just got to build it up step by step Mm. step by step for sure so talk to us a bit about your um training so uh, at the beginning of august you emailed me saying that you want to really step up your um training for the next season so you're going to be following my 12 and probably 16 week advanced program which we're going to talk about now so for those listening uh my's emailed me and we've not actually had a discussion about it so we're going to kind of have the discussion live on the podcast because my's going to ask kind of (laughs) oh yeah pressure pressure (laughs) (laughs) my basically wants to know a little bit more about like how to train um and that side of it so talk to me a little bit more about what your training has been up till this point then well it's basically been just like being at the gym or like um spinning on the road bike it's not really like anything major but um i used to do a lot with my dad we used to do a lot of like crossfit kind of stuff you know something all that like uh rope climbing or whatever or whatever it is at the gym um no it's just any um i like to lift weights but nothing like big i guess a nothing too too much um i really struggle i think getting myself to do cv because it's kind of the things that like i'm quite lazy that's the whole problem um especially with my fitness my nutrition like i do it but it's very oh i have to kind of force myself to do it kind of thing but i enjoy it when i'm doing it it's like you know when you don't want to get in the shower but then when you're in the shower it's um yeah it's um definitely i tend to slack when the off season not the off season one during the season because of like the traveling and then you're doing the racing you feel like i just need to be consistent with it i think that's what i'm doing okay so how often do you tend to so it's let's say um like pre-season because i suppose you're going into the off season off season now you know yeah, so yeah. last off season what did you do then what would your week look like uh my week would look like going to the gym about three times a week and then yeah. riding twice a week uh enduro and then downhill maybe once and that's about it it wasn't i didn't think i had enough bike time or and like in the gym i felt like because i'm I've never had to like make big changes. Mm-hmm. I've never had to like you know lose a, a lot of weight. So I know I've always felt like I've stagnated and never improved. Yeah. Because like I've still got that basic fitness, so I can just kind of rely on it. But no, I know uh-huh. I need to do. I know I need to be better. 
Edit. Because you need to get that next level. Yeah, exactly. It's that next level, which is the hardest to get, I think. So, if anything, what do you struggle with most fitness-wise at a downhill race? Um, I would say uh, not arm pump. It's more, I think it's um, maybe CV. Okay. And then maybe a bit of shoulder strength. Yeah. Because um, I've damaged my shoulders quite a bit from crashing, so they're kind of weak. And yeah. like in some impacts, they just can't hold on. Yeah. So that's when I tend to crash, because they just can't hold on. So I think that's what I would need to focus on. Yeah, that makes sense. And then CV-wise, is that kind of towards the end of a race run, or yeah. what happens there? A lot of sprinting. I'm not I'm not the fast sprinter. I'm terrible out of the gate. Like, honestly, yeah. worse <laughs> out of the gate. Like, um, I'm just so slow compared to everyone else. But it's... um. I, at least I know what i got to do. <laughs> How long does the sprint last when you do sprint out of the gate? I know that it will vary from race to race, but typically? Typically, maybe only five seconds at most, I would say. Okay. It's not very fast. It's, it's just, um, yeah, it's just that initial explosive power, I would say. Yeah, does that make you tired? Yeah, well, I'm always tired at the end of the race. <laughs> <laughs> do you get tired at the beginning, though, after that initial sprint? Do you find that you're out of breath or are you completely fine? No, I think I'm fine, but I just don't think I have the power, maybe, to... Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm lacking. More than fitness, I think it's more power. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. So, when you go to the gym then those three times a week, what do you tend to do? Um, well, I do, like, a mix of... Um, I try to do it all body. I don't try to focus on one like I do legs core and then arms like I just do it all in one okay I don't know I just that's what I do that's all right yeah <laughs> no, 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 that's cool <laughs> I, know, I know that you don't have a plan at the moment that's totally fine I'm not yes. trying to um, catch you out on the podcast or anything because I know obviously <laughs> it's not being that structured and you want to get it um, structured it's just yeah. good to kind of know what you've been doing mm, exactly. uh, so I at this point when they don't really they go to the gym and they don't really know what they're doing <laughs> Yeah, almost like every... <laughs> Excuse me. I think probably 5% of gym goers are the ones that actually go in with a plan and know exactly what they're doing. Most yeah. people who go kind of wander around and do a little bit of weights but don't really know why they're doing anything. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, what kind of reps would you generally do on exercises? I always tend to do uh, high, high reps, low weight because I know that I need my muscles to last for a good five minutes. Yeah, okay. So, but I'm not sure if I need to step up the weight a bit more on yeah. some days so I can actually get more power. Yeah. I don't, I'm, yeah. Now that I'm talking to you, I'm thinking about my own, what I do in the gym. I'm like, mm, maybe I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're having the conversation, though. Yeah, and exactly. I know that everybody listening, especially who are gym goers, will be thinking, oh, right, yeah, this, mm. this sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, so you've you've kind of got the right thinking when you're thinking that you want to do lower weight and high reps because mm. obviously you do do it for you, you need to be able to do it for a certain length of time on a downhill race. Mm. But actually, from the point that you're at right now, it sounds like you probably need to do some heavier weights. So mm. maybe five reps, that kind of thing, okay. um, and really try to build up some strength. And mm. um, the way that the program works that you're going to be following, I'm going to be sending Maya a copy of the 12 week and the 16 week program for those listening. Um, the very first month is like corrective exercises. So okay. at the moment, whether you realize it or not, you'll probably have some certain muscle imbalances. So you've mentioned that your shoulders are weak, for example. Yeah. 
So what you might find when you dig into it even deeper is you might have one shoulder that's weaker than the other. So like where you dislocated that collarbone, for example, mm. all that side might be weaker than the other side. Um, and same with your legs. Like, do you ride with one leg forward more than another? Yeah, always left foot forward. Left foot, yeah. So I'm the opposite. I'm always right foot forward. And yeah. that means that my right leg naturally gets stronger than my left. And I have to kind of work on yeah, correcting Yeah, I have noticed that imbalance on my, both of my legs for sure. So that'll affect you without you even realising it. So like when you're sprinting out of the gate or when you're cornering or when you're pedalling, you'll mm-hmm. use your, your left leg, if that's a stronger one, you'll use that more than the other one. Yeah. So what'll benefit you? Like at the start of the programme for that first um, four weeks, you do a lot of isometric exercises, which are basically single leg and single arm exercises. Yeah. Sounds sort of good. things like um, split squats and that kind of thing. So what they do is they help build up your strength, but they help build it up on all the sides equally. Does that make sense? Mm, that makes sense. And then that helps you build up kind of your whole body as you move along. And then as you move forward the program, the second month is lifting heavier weights. So that's where you get a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, and kind of start to build it up from there and um, but essentially i think from the sound of what you said there it sounds like you're doing the right thing by going to the gym mm. um because you're lifting weights and you kind of like started but then to move on further you probably do need like some more structure and a more structured plan yeah because when you do the same thing for too long your body gets really used to it so I you'll get think i've kind of just like done the same thing so i'm not really progressing i'm just staying in the same fitness zone like yeah That's exactly it. After four to six weeks of following the same plan, your body really gets used to it. And Mm. that's when you sort of plateau and you stop to see, you stop seeing results. So that's why like in the plan, every two weeks, the plans change. And what that does is it just completely stops your body getting used to it. So you can continue progressing. Okay, sweet. That sounds good. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, definitely enjoy it. (laughs) <laughs> the other thing I'd say as well so in the program you get two intervals to do a week so I would definitely do those interval sessions every week but what you might want to add in is doing some of those standing sprint starts yeah because if that's like an obvious weak spot that you know is weak there's going to be a few things happening you're probably not going to be quite as strong when you start so you probably could be faster straight out of the gate mm. And then the other side of it is that if you're not used to those big, powerful, explosive efforts, they're going to be tiring your CV even more because they take yeah. more effort. Yeah, that makes sense. What I would say is maybe say once a week, I would add in some standing sprints. Um, so literally just do it like you're out the start gate and I'd maybe do repeats of 20 second efforts. So yeah. like time yourself for 20 seconds down a street, for example, in no cars, start from standing and then do a full sprint down to the end of the road, pedal back, give yourself three or four minutes to rest and then do that 10 times. Yeah. So I can just get that explosion out the gate, get used to it too. Yeah. That's exactly it. Ideally, what you want to be doing with any kind of training plan, and obviously yours is you want you want to kind of think specific to downhill. Is you want to think right, what am I what am I weak at? So you mentioned your shoulders are weak, for example. So it's yeah. like right, I really need to build up um, like the pressing exercises and build up my shoulders because that's going to help with that aspect. Yeah. And then if you know you're weak with your standing start, then you really want to focus on building that up. And what will happen is you'll be able to sort of build up bit by bit every different area. And then that all comes together to seeing like really big results. Awesome. Awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> God. <laughs> Have you got pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Looking forward to suffering. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so have you kind of got any questions on any of that or? Uh, no, it's, oh, maybe, it's something about, like, mobility, is there anything, because I find, uh, how to recover after a session, kind of, 
hard to do. Like, I okay. Do. So what do you mean by um, how to... So you mentioned mobility, obviously, and then you say like, um, how to... Re- and, like, maybe something, like, a bit of your nutrition program as well, like, uh, recovering after a session, or, like, even after a race, really. So when you say mobility first, do you feel that you're tight and you're struggling? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I, do, I try to do a lot of stretching and yoga, but uh, I'm not that good at it. Okay. <laughs> Definitely think I could be a bit more flexible. <laughs> so there's a couple of things you want to do to improve your flexibility and improve your mobility. So they're both included in the program anyway, so that works for you. The okay. first thing, a lot of the exercises, especially in that first month, are built on strengthening up, but also improving your mobility at the same time. So okay. when you're doing exercises like split squats, which is similar to a lunge, but you drive your knee forward, mm-hmm. that's amazing for opening everything up around your hips and doing full range of motion. So that'll help. Just doing the exercises in the program with good technique will start to improve your flexibility and your mobility. Um, And then what you also want to do is stretch daily, like you're saying. And there's daily stretches included in the program, so you can follow those. And then if you feel that you've got some specific tight areas that you aren't fully stretching, I'd probably add some of those in as well. Um, Do those daily. But the main thing is to do it for like 20 minutes a day and really like try. Like, don't worry about not being good at it. It's really easy to, if you want to stretch your hamstrings, for example, you'll hold it for like 10 seconds and be like right that hurts next <laughs> yeah <laughs> i do uh kind of like oh that's it um done yeah, <laughs> tap out as quickly as possible <laughs> what you want to do is kind of like yeah exactly try and maybe even put a two minute timer on and then be like right i'm gonna hold this stretch on my right hamstring for two full minutes and then Oof. do the other one yeah okay It'll hurt and you'll be shaking, but what you'll find is that as you hold a stretch for longer, you'll kind of relax and your muscles will relax and you'll be able to get deeper into it. And that combined with the weight training is how you'll help improve your flexibility. Sweet. Um, Yeah, sounds good. Um, So talk to me a bit about your nutrition then. Obviously, you just mentioned it then. Well, yeah, um, I am trying to eat a bit more, uh, mostly like a lot more protein. So kind of like salmon and like, you know, kind of more lean meats um I was only just recently though because um when I was racing it was just really hard to when especially if you're traveling just to eat well especially yeah. if it's um fast food <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's just you're gonna have to eat it but it's just because that's only that's the only thing like available and yeah. It's, yeah it's kind of hard although my mum was there to cook for me so it was all right but I had my grandma with me so she likes to cook a lot yeah, more stuff yeah. you know when your grandma's there you always eat what she gives you it's yeah just... gra- <laughs> grandma's like to fill you up <laughs> yeah exactly so it didn't really help during my season as much as I appreciated it it definitely yeah towards the end of the season I definitely lost the shape I was at the start okay <laughs> yeah. and I think discipline is one of the hardest things for me yeah for Super. sure yeah so what do you tend to eat at the moment then so when you're at home and you have full control what do you tend to eat uh i always eat rice because my mum's asian so we always have the rice cooker on (laughs) so yeah it's like our staple it would be like either rice with meat and i usually have oats in the morning okay but that's only recently (laughs) that's all right that's good and then what would you tend to have for your lunch would that be rice for lunch it would be probably rice and rice and egg maybe right uh, i had stir fry just now so, <laughs> so it sounds like you eat well to be honest do you yeah, yeah. your it's day in general like sounds good it's really like my cracks 
Yeah, 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 for sure. Although I did listen to your other podcast about um, self-discipline on like eating. So I think I will take some tips on that. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is with your nutrition, it's one of those things that you've got to try and make it work for you. Mm. Uh, and I think that when you get into a bit of a routine and you know what you're eating and you're kind of flowing with it, it gets easier. It's just finding out. You're totally right. When you're traveling, it's tough, isn't it? Because of yeah. lots of options. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, God, what's the healthiest McDonald's meal on the menu? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> be- with a, <laughs> they should have a healthy McDonald's uh, menu. Yeah. McHealth or something. <laughs> Salad with chicken nuggets. <laughs> they do the these days, I think. Some of the. Yeah. Um, yeah, they do, you're right. <laughs> yeah. That would be my uh, on-the-road meal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what are your kind of... Um, that'll sound like what we'll do. We'll, obviously, I know you. Will, I've told you already, but I'll send you through the 12-week and then the 16-week advanced program that you can mm. do after that. And then I'll send you the nutrition guide as well. Oh, and awesome. then as we move forward, you can just email me with all your questions and I'll kind of help you out from that point of view. Sweet. Thank you so much. For those listening who do want to join Maya, go to mcb.fitness. <laughs> <laughs> Plug. <laughs> I know, that's it. <laughs> kind of worked out well. Like, well, we should definitely have this conversation on the call. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so kind of moving away from all that, what are your what are your goals then in the um, with your mountain biking? Where do you see yourself going? Um, well, I definitely want to keep racing. That is the one thing I want to do. Like this, because I was my parents are thinking oh she didn't do as well as she thought this year she's gonna like give up but I'm like nope still want to do it even though um the results weren't what I was thinking because I've still got plenty of time so just gonna do that um I'm gonna live in my van for a few months okay. on the road so we've got a little roof tent so that'll be only when during the race season because I'm thinking about instead of the nationals be doing some of the excesses yeah purely just because um well, some of the round World Cup rounds are the IXSs, so it's good training. And yeah, um, yeah, and I kind of, I, I want to keep racing. And if it doesn't work, I still want to be part of the mountain biking community. Yeah. So I'm currently doing my, uh, well, I'm starting my um, an open uni degree on the oh, side. Because okay. I, I, I kind of wanted to study, because I did a year out after A-levels, and yeah. I realised that I missed it. I really did miss it after I thought I'd be relieved like oh school's out and then um, so I'm doing a um, part-time maths and statistics degree that's really cool so yeah hopefully I could do something that maybe we're linked to I don't know we'll see you kind of you kind of find it as you go I guess yeah for sure I think as you kind of like get into it and get into the degree then different paths open up and you get more yeah. of an idea don't you exactly and it's um about the mountain bike industry so if you it's quite a more who you know than yeah. like what you can offer it's like i found like just knowing people is the easiest way to like <laughs> flag yeah. stuff or get stuff <laughs> it's such a bad way but it's true it's like that's the only way you can really do it is to just make friends really <laughs> On that note, do you have any advice for people who are in the exact same position that you're in, so who want to get into racing? They might be younger than you, or maybe a little bit older, and who want to race and who want to who want to get sponsored and do all that kind of thing. Because you're, are you riding for a shop? Is that right? Yeah, at the moment I'm riding for a Team Lizzie bike shop, which is based in Scotland. Okay, uh, it's a bit far away from me, but um, <laughs> I know the team manager's daughter. Like we used to race together, so. Um, no, they've really helped me out this year with like kit, bikes, like 
I would, if anybody wants to start racing, always go for a shop because one, they're going to want to help you out, especially if you're local. And two, like you can always get trade discounts, which always really helps, especially if you're traveling to do races. So yeah. it's all about the money. <laughs> it's yeah. an expensive sport. Like people think it's um, not as expensive as motocross, which is true, but it's, it's still, you know, it's still a lot of work for, especially for like families that have to like take you there. Yeah. So definitely just start off small and just be nice to people and say hi. Because I, I even struggle with that. It's like talking to people, you know, at like pits and stuff like that. You just got to get to know them. Yeah. And then it's a bad thing, but it's how you get free stuff. <laughs> like I would be at a World Cup and I'm like, oh, has anyone got free rims going? <laughs> and if you ask nicely, they can give you a fork service or whatever. So it's, that's what it's kind of great about the mountain biking community. If you're nice to them, like you can almost get what you need. Yeah. And like it's just everyone is pretty much nice. Like any like at races, people think, oh, it's intimidating. Everyone's really straight. So it's not. It's, it's not. People are just normal people well that's one thing i can't remember who it was that i asked um i really can't remember who it was but i was talking about that saying like um are you not like in mega competitive mode when you're at the world cup dh because obviously you're you're there to race and to be really serious and like you want to beat the other person but actually everybody seems to help each other and it might have even been kate weatherly i can't remember i might putting words in her mouth and whoever it was was saying like it's, it's not like that. Everybody wants to help each other and everybody wants to support each other. And I yeah. think that's wicked because there's not many other sports where you're sort of helping out your competitor and everybody's in it together. Yeah, it's it's so it's such a weird feeling of them. It's like you're Richie racing against them. You're the competitor. And they're like, oh, here's the line. Or do you want some help? Or like it's just everyone wants everyone to do well, even yeah. though you want to do better. <laughs> <laughs> And I actually, Kate's, I met Kate at the World Cups and she's a really nice person. Yeah. It's just really weird because all, I heard all this like social media stuff about her. So I didn't know what I was expecting. And, and it's just, everyone's nice. Like, yeah. sometimes you do get a few that are a bit odd and like, you know, they're really focused about their, their race. But then everyone's pretty much like, they yeah. want to, they just want to make friends. Yeah, for sure. Everybody's just nice, aren't they? And everybody gets yeah. along together. And I think that extends to kind of the wider mountain bike community. Everyone's just awesome. Mm, yeah, genuinely. Like, even, like, just people on the trail always just say hi. Like, yeah. it's it's not it's not so mean. Like, my friends, they used to come from BMX. And it's okay. really bitchy in BMX, especially BMX racing. Especially for, like, young girls. Like, it's just not a good atmosphere. Okay. Um, totally different. Even... Like the XE, which tends to be like you know the most uptight kind of uh, like genre uh, yeah. of mountain biking. It's it's still more chill than like any other any other sport, I would say. Yeah, I think that's awesome because it makes it so much more accessible for everybody. Mm. Genuinely, it is a very accessible sport. Like you can get a like a decent mountain bike at Go Outdoors for like five hundred quid. So yeah, it's it's, it's a definitely a sport that like, you that anyone can get into and yeah i think it was on uh vice mcb like Lloyd bruni talking to um uh, martin mays or something it was about um how accessible mountain biking is okay and he was saying that he, anyone can ride his bike next year but like you know in the pro super like 
motocross people like you won't be able to touch their bikes until like five years time like yeah yeah top secret but everyone's like sure they have their top secret stuff but it gets released for everyone like the whole point is to get people to buy their bikes and next year you can shred like Lloyd Bruni <laughs> like yeah <laughs> that's the whole cool about it like some kid can ride Lloyd Bruni's bike yeah yeah it's totally true yeah. I think it's really really cool I agree yeah it's just like it's just such a good community where like the top can give to the bottom like it's yeah. just you know it's all it's all good <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> Spreading the mountain bike love. <laughs> mm, exactly. <laughs> so what's the what's the ultimate for you? So you can click your fingers and you get everything that you want. Um, what would be the ultimate? Like, do you want to be a Rachel Atherton, obviously, but a you? Like, what what's what's the dream? If you could see yourself five, ten years in the future, and you'd be certain that it had happened, what what would that look like? I love to be someone like Brett Tippy. You'd like to be what? Sorry. Like Brett Tippy. Do you know? Okay. Yeah. Just someone yeah, like people like well, more like not like a free rider, but like someone who's like like an oldie and a legend of the sport, you know, in way way in the past. But people still know who you are. You're still involved. You're like you're you're part of the scene, and you're kind of like a an icon. <laughs> I know yeah. it sounds like very big headed, but no. I like, not not remembered. But like it's more the fact like. Um, you're still part of the sport, even though you retired ages ago. Yeah, a bit like Steve Pete, even though yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, yeah, but as I'm saying, it's like you can still be part of this awesome community without, you know, doing it without racing. Like, I still love racing, but, like, my ultimate would be, like, in my 50s and people still want to come up and say hi to me. <laughs> <laughs> come and ride with you. Yeah, <laughs> Get exactly. Get smoked by you. <laughs> exactly. That would be awesome. <laughs> i think that's really really cool i like it mm. i think kind of a nice way to end the podcast there's no rush at all mm-hmm. um i thought maybe you could just share some general tips for the followers listening to this um, and it can be absolutely anything that you want now i'm putting you on the spot whatever comes to mind so yeah. you've got free reign what what's some tips that you'd like to give the mountain bike community on anything uh, at all zip ties like <laughs> 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 my godsend <laughs> I don't know, I fix everything with it by. I'm kidding. Um, um, people, when you're young and you're trying to get a van, or like, don't get a caddy, because you know that's the classic mountain bike car. Like, yeah. you get a caddy, get a small van, get a Fiat Panda. One, okay. <laughs> it's my car. Uh, <laughs> It's got, it's got it's got perfect storage like i could fit three bikes in the back to bear all folded up and you can only fit two people in the car but <laughs> ultimate storage and it's the cutest car ever so don't get a caddy and just save up for a van <laughs> <laughs> yeah be nuts one um oh um if you're camping always bring an extra ground sheet if you're camping uh, at a race let me just say okay. Because camping at a race is not the most glamorous uh, thing to do. <laughs> or very, yeah. That's and, cool. Yeah. Oh, one Any more thing. Mark yeah, yeah, carry on. Dry shower for when you're at the races because there's a chance you probably won't be able to shower for the next three days. So make sure you get a dry one. Yeah, get a dry shower. <laughs> 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 at the end of my tips. <laughs> get, a, get a fit panda and make sure you camp camp clean i like it 
And what if um, what if a random rider came up to you in the street and they recognised you and they said, uh, Maya, what can I do to get faster on the bike? What would you say? Let go of the brakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tell myself every time I ride, I'm like, Maya, just let go of the brakes. <laughs> yeah, I think just have fun. Have like fun. it. Let go of the brakes and have fun. They are top tips. I like it a lot. That's all, that's all I got to say. Words of wisdom. <laughs> well, it's been really, really cool chatting to you, Maya. I've really, really yeah. enjoyed it. I really uh, enjoyed this. Good. I'm glad. We'll have to get you on for another one as well. See how you're doing kind of mid-season. Yeah. That'd be sick. That'd be really cool. So I'm sure everybody listening wants to hear more about you and they probably want to have a look at your hashtag as well. So tell us where to follow you and what uh, the hashtag is. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Maya underscore Atkinson29 or find me on Facebook, Maya Atkinson Racing. And the hashtag is close the gender shred gap. Kind of like close the gender wage gap, but yeah. cooler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you just want to go for a ride, just give me a message. That'd be cool. That's really cool. I like it. And you will be inundated with messages now as everybody yeah. starts to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be able to race. Just too many. <laughs> yeah, just too many fun rides instead. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's been really cool um, chatting to you. Thanks so yeah. much for spending the time jumping on. And uh, it'd be interesting seeing how you get on with the programs over the next few months. Make cool. sure to share your progress in the uh, Facebook group. Brill, thanks so much, Maya. See you soon. No See you then. Bye. Welcome back podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Like I say, Maya's a really, really nice girl and I'm sure you love listening to her. Make sure you check her out on her social media channels. If you forgot what they are or you're struggling to find her, you can just search Maya Atkinson. It's spelled M-A-Y-A, so it's spelled uh, Maya, but you pronounce it Maya. Um, Search Maya Atkinson on Facebook or Instagram and she'll pop up and be sure to get in touch and say hi to her and uh, say thanks for recording the episode. And if you're interested in following the 12-week program, the 16-week program after it, or the nutrition guide like Maya's going to be doing, then head to mtb.fitness. That's mtb.fitness. Or just Google MTB Fitness and it'll come up and then just head over to the website. All the information's there. If you do have any questions on it, just drop me an email at matt at mtb.fitness or use the link on the website. And be sure to join the Facebook group as well. Just go on Facebook, type in MTB Fitness and it'll come up. You've got the main page and then the members group as well, which is 18,500 people strong. The biggest rule with the Facebook group is that it's positivity only. So that's the, you've got to be positive if you're coming in. So... It's, it's a place where everybody lifts each other up. There's no homophobia. There's no, like, sexist stuff. There's some other Facebook groups out there where you'll see women posing in bikinis over bikes and all stupid shit like that. <laughs> um, so there's none of that in the group. It's all, like, really helping each other out, a real positive community where everybody drives each other forward. And uh, So make sure you come and join there as well. It's obviously free. It's a Facebook group. Um, so, yeah, thanks so much for listening. I will have another one out for you next week. I hope you're excited for it, and I will see you very soon. Thanks so much.